guys. We don't have long. We don't know how long we have until... Well, my record says they'll be here in about 10 minutes, but... Okay. Wait a second. What's this doing here? They shouldn't be here yet. This is weird. The, the, the Draftmaster 2000 shouldn't be here yet. If this is episode... We're, we're supposed to be here for four episode zero, right? Uh, Let me pull up the records. If the Draftmaster's here, there are records. Hopefully the password's the same. It is. Still 69. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the wrong episode zero is here. Wait, what do you mean? It's shorter than it should be. That's weird. Huh. Yeah, because episode zero was like 15, 20 minutes long. Yeah, no, this one's shorter than that. This one's like 10, 11. It's... I mean, that sounds more accessible, but... It's it's different, though. The, the title is different. It says an introduction without time travel. It's editing us, guys. They cut out the time travel? We are being edited out. Oh, no. <sighs> so we haven't warned anybody about the incoming time-space war. Or not to smoke time cigarettes. Yes, don't smoke any time cigarettes. It makes your voices low and gravelly. Mm. From the war and the smoke. And the time well, cigarettes. quick, download the, download the documents I we need. I have already got them on a flash drive. All right. Wait a second. What? Is somebody coming? I thought you said we had ten minutes. They're not supposed to be here. Well, but we're also not supposed to be here now. We have to go. Oh. Now. All right. Back in the portal. So you guys check out the new Hamel drops, right? Yeah, we yeah. now. It was great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really... Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to see what other ones they do. But it's I impressive. Waited a while for this one. It's impressive how much they managed to, uh, to how much Weird Al managed to fit in, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's almost like he's a super genius or yeah. something. Okay, well, um, so we're gonna do a, a cold open. Yeah, I've got a really great idea. Okay. Is anybody noticing that their stuff isn't quite where they left it? Like, um, and and what's that? What's that smell? It smells like ozone, cigarettes, and ozone, and time, hmm. like the spice time. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, welcome everybody to draft the universe, the nerd fight battle royale. Here we pick a topic, choose our favorites, and debate for nerd supremacy. And this week we did time travel locations. With very, very little preparation. <laughs> and now we get to uh, play the game, reaping what we have sown. Yeah, uh, this, should be, this should be great. I'm so prepared for this right now. Okay. To be fair, though, I think doing this one without a whole lot of preparation uh, allowed us to stick to our niches. So, you know, we picked the things we already knew, 
these these sort of things, it's real easy to. We, it would be real easy for us to fall down some rabbit holes. I mean, yeah. I didn't choose the year five hundred eighty thousand um, in the in the future, uh, the start of the golden path of Leto the Second, but um, but I suppose I've done that enough. I've picked that. You have pl- plenty yeah. of times. Yeah. I think we got to see. You know. Oh, now you know, Chris really into Hamilton. Uh, if, <laughs> if, if you were unaware, if you were unaware, somehow, uh, Jaffer picking uh, uh, first contact. What? I mean, the guy who picked John Luke Picard picked first contact. What? Uh, and me. Did you get? By the way, did you have like a feeling of elation when you chose that one? Maybe a first contact high. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, you know, you guys, you, you knew what you were tuning in for, um, and that is for me to just drop some, drop some doozies the whole yep. whole way through. None of these are gonna work. This is gonna be great. And I, I picked Abraham Lincoln, and I'm actually really disappointed. I told you guys, I found out after our captain's draft that Abraham Lincoln was famous for right driving his boat up and down. Uh, uh, the Mississippi River, and actually the only uh, U.S. president to have a patent for uh, lifting boats out of shoals. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you have to add that qualification because yeah. our current president has a bunch of patents, um, but they're all for, like, steaks that are fried to nothingness in, in charcoal. and He has trademarks, not inventions. Uh, yeah, well, I mean... Other U.S. presidents have had patents, though. Yeah. Anyways... Uh, we've got a lot of debate ahead of us, so why don't we get to the first match is Jaffer versus Chris. Ben, you'll be the judge. All right. If you want to go ahead and what is that? It looks like a little uh, police call box. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and... There's wow, nothing. there's a lot of criteria in here. You wouldn't think they'd all fit. Huh. There's nothing, be, uh... nothing infringing about this at all. Yeah, it's uh, smaller on the outside. Huh. <laughs> it's it's smaller on the outside. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sure. Okay, Don't first, sue us. Uh, nobody's going to sue us. <laughs> no one listens to this podcast. No one's going to sue us, and We're we not. need to stop asking for people to uh, be our sponsors. <laughs> Stamps.com will call us when they want to. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sorry. Okay, first uh, criteria. Ben Franklin is now your time traveling friend, Pepper. Where do you take uh, where do you take him before bringing him back to 1764 Philadelphia and his key experiment? His key experiment. First, you take him to his party, where he gets the key. Hmm. Wait, are you insisting that he was at a key party? If any of our founding fathers were at a key party, did they have key parties back then? I'm sure Ben Franklin invented the key party that's possible yeah he would have been in his 60s at that point so i've maybe. heard so I've heard right he you, wait what year what year did i 64 64 i think he was 58 hey jaffer do you know who the fuck he is <laughs> <laughs> he is um uh swingers party inviting uh inventing in the u.s benjamin fucking franklin, franklin. <laughs> okay and keeping it uh keeping it continental and colonial, uh, who else was in the room where it happened? What other time traveler do you run into? I'm willing to just slide right into this, and I'll go ahead and take the signing of the Declaration of Independence. 
I think I'll go with August 17th, 1969 in Bethel, New York. The third day of Woodstock. All right. So, Jafer, where will you take Benjamin Franklin, your time-traveling friend? So, I pick Ben up in 1764. Yes. Right? Okay. Um, that is right before what we consider to be the start of the American Revolution. Um, the Stamp Act was passed in 1765, which is the whole taxation without representation stuff. So he hasn't seen what will become the beginnings of the birth of the country. So taking him straight from before any of this happens, I take him to one of the pivotal moments of the revolution. Um, you know, after this, he leaves for uh, France. Um, so it's kind of, it's not the, his, the end of his involvement in the revolution, but it is probably his, one of his defining moments of the revolution and allow him to see and take all that in, sure. um, you know, what will be his legacy, um, right before legacy. it all starts. What is a legacy? It's a superhero from, uh, Guardians of the Multiverse. <sighs> mm-hmm. If we establish this back and forth where I try to get into Hamilton quotes and you give me um, boring facts, Ben, this is going to be a, a pretty uh, uncomfortable debate. <laughs> boring facts? Talk about Guardians of the Multiverse, man. Sentinels. Sentinels, Sentinels of the Multiverse. And, and Legacy is great. But continue. <laughs> Chris? Um I think that Benjamin Franklin, even as a small child, had an idea that he was bound for great things. I think that he had a notion of revolution and rebellion. Um, I, I certainly think that he helped push us towards it. Um, so I think that rather than take um, Benjamin Franklin to the penultimate moment of the revolution for which he'd become famous, we show him what that revolution earned in the long run. We take him to upstate New York, uh, in August of, sorry, hold on, make sure, let me get, don't want to get the time wrong. <laughs> in August of 1969, uh, and and just to set the set the scene for you, uh, it's the first show of the day. Jefferson Airplane did play at 8 a.m. for some reason, um, probably because they're Jefferson Airplane and uh, the acid hadn't finished yet. Um, I've, I've seen them actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw. Well, I saw Jefferson Starship play the entirety of the soundtrack of Blade Runner. <laughs> what? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So in the recording studio. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz you were there when they were recording. Cuz you're right. old. So, oh, okay, so, no, it's just, <laughs> just a concert I went to, but he saw them at at this show actually is, is where he saw them. Um it was weird cuz Blade Runner wasn't going to come out for Yeah, know. it was weird that they played the soundtrack to that movie at Woodstock, but you at, know, at 8 a.m. on the third day, yeah. Uh so okay, so uh, you know, it's been, it's been a, a little bit of a, of a rainy, muddy weekend. Um, so picture this, uh, it's just past noon. Everybody is starting to like warm up and dry out. And the first act of the day is about to go up on stage. Uh, and who is that? Oh, can I guess? Who is that proceeding to the stage with a band that is almost exclusively dosed on acid? Oh God. I, I feel like who will deny to this, <sighs> to this day that he was on acid himself. I, if I only had a little help from my friends, I might know the answer to this. Is it the Arch Chimbley Mage? Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. 
Yeah, that's about as much silence as that one needed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe Cocker. Order of the British Empire? Order of the British Empire, Ben. <laughs> um, and he launches into a, a breakneck set. He's the first act of the, of the third day of this thing. He knows what's up. He knows what he's got to top. Um, Benjamin Franklin, I think, is right at home. I think he might be a little confused at first as to how this perfect future happened. How is everybody so uninhibited? Like Benjamin Franklin has always secretly yearned to be. Um, what is this strange substance? Hmm. Lysergic diethylamide? Yes, I will put some of that under my forehead, under my uh, headband. <laughs> I think that um, Benjamin Franklin might be crowd surfing as Joe Cocker and his uh, his his charcoal uh, painted um, Bowery boy band uh, surge into the last song of their set with a little help from my friends. Uh, and shortly after, the clouds erupt with, with rain and lightning. I think it's a pivotal moment in our psychedelic near past that Benjamin Franklin would have been totally at home in. All right. Well, while I do appreciate taking Benjamin Franklin to a place where uh, his syphilis would not seem uh, out of place... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I do appreciate the idea of keeping him in familiar surroundings. Uh, this one, I think, knowing as, uh, knowing about Bernd Franklin, what I do, and having read his book, uh, his autobiography, and as any young Benjamin, I was forced <laughs> to learn about our greatest Benjamin. Mm. Uh, I think he would have an absolute blast at Woodstock. <laughs> Uh, so there's that's where you're going, Pepper. Uh, what game is that referencing? Pepper's Adventure in Time? Adventures okay. in Time? <laughs> I think you made three people very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy for those three people. <laughs> okay. So, who else was in the room where it happened? The room where it happened? The room where it happened. What other time travel traveler do you run into at your destination? All right, so I got my buddy Ben Franklin with me. Um, well, I guess we, we both have our buddy Ben Franklin with me. I won't claim exclusive rights to yeah, him. Yeah, we, we get him. Benjamin yeah. Franklin is not an exclusive person. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, I, I think that we're going we're gonna, to uh, throw a, a small reunion. Uh, I don't need to bring somebody from a different point of time because they were actually alive and uh, fairly active at the time, but were um, almost shamefully not present. Um, so who's that? Swinging in from above. Uh, Emmy clubs in both hands. Emmys? Grammy. Sorry. Grammy clubs in both hands. Oh, no, you didn't. It's, oh. It's Aretha Franklin. Um, I think that you could you could pitch the idea of Benjamin Franklin meeting Aretha Franklin um, at Woodstock to anybody, and that movie writes itself. Uh, I think that... The Our greatest Franklins. The combination of a man who, while being pretty... <laughs> How has there not been a web show called The Franklins, where it's Ben Franklin and Aretha Franklin living together as, we could, we could, we as re roommates? We could relaunch this podcast. As, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you, you've got, you've got a, a meeting of, 
of of the uh, of the minds, kind of a battle of the sexes. You've got a man who, although very enlightened and freed for his day, was probably still what we would consider uh, a huge misogynist and asshole. Um, although he does have some very nice things to say about older women in a letter that he wrote to Thomas Jefferson one time. I'm not sure they were nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, I'm not kidding about that. If you want a good and very interesting read about one of our founding uh, fathers, um, it's called On the Selection of a Mistress. He definitely wrote it to Thomas Jefferson. It's great. Yep. Um, so I think that uh, you have, uh, uh, you know, this 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 battle. Uh, uh, Thomas, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I'm losing the thread a little bit. So you have Benjamin Franklin, right, representing the old, the, the founding fathers, and you have Aretha Franklin representing the, the promise of a new age of diversity and inclusion. Uh, she's asking for some R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I think that Benjamin Franklin is going to get in a couple of uh, awkward positions and some hijinks will ensue before he finally gives it to her. And all of this, of course, will be presided over by the Grand Arch Chimbley Mage. Uh, Joe Cocker himself. All right, Jafar. The real question here is what time traveler isn't at the signing of the Declaration of Independence? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got Doctor Who shows up, I'm sure. Um, um, there's probably yeah. a fourth season episode of the original series where they go back in Star Trek. Probably a bunch of um, um, evil time traveling Nazis. Quantum, trying, yeah, trying to, trying to stop yeah, it. Trying to stop it. And then. Um, equally good time travelers from the future to stop the time traveling Nazis. Yes. And then, and um, then time traveling space Nazis traveling back in time to prevent even further. Yeah. 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 And, and further then, and further. Yeah. yeah. So on and, and so forth. Um, you've got all kind. you've got doc Brown, I'm sure goes and checks it out, uh, for his Western phase, a couple of well-meaning kids from San Dimas high school. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got every famous time traveler there, you know, you've got Sam Adams, you've got Captain Kirk sun slingshotting around the sun. Oh, wait, did he just casually say Sam Adams is a time traveler? Why, yes, I did. <laughs> Why do you think his beer is so good and in the present day? What my theory <laughs> presupposes <laughs> is uh. that Sam Adams is a time traveler who left his natural time of the 1700s and came forward to see what the country he helped build would become. And he decided it needed more microbrew beer. And was he wrong? He was not. I'm, he saw an era of American beer oppression mm -hmm. of your Miller Lights and your Bud Lights and your Milwaukee's best ice, ices and said no more. This isn't what I built this country for. And reopened the brewery in Boston. So uh, your premise is essentially that it couldn't have been anybody but him uh, because the beer is called Sam Adams. <laughs> I am convinced the point goes to Jafar. Huzzah! <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, and Ben Franklin has been sitting for portraits of every single fucking hundred dollar bill, right? No, they, they just, just the first one, Chris. Come on, don't be real ridiculous. I mean, come on. Okay. Well, we go to the tiebreaker. Oh, no! Turns out your trip only went one way. How do you survive in this time and place? Jafar? Well, Ben Franklin probably knows what's going on already. 
Uh, I'm sure I could acclimate well with him at my side and him at my side because I've got two Ben Franklins. That's true. You are there with double Ben Franklins. <laughs> I mean, that's poor Richard Al- Almanac's writing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one goes to France and then one sticks around. I probably go to France, to be honest. I hear or that. you just hang out with time-traveling Sam Adams and he gets you back. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He didn't draft Sam Adams. <laughs> um, Chris, how do you make it out of Woodstock? Uh, that's very simple. You just don't take the brown acid. Um, and, I mean, I've got Benjamin Franklin. I've got Aretha Franklin. I've got Joe Cocker all hanging out. To be honest... If this was a two-way trip, I would seriously consider just staying. You know, you're talking about one of the most important uh, moments of American pop cultural musical history. Uh, You know, and I've got a bunch of information about what happens over the next couple of years that I could probably cash in on. Uh, So, yeah, I don't even know if I would come back. Yeah, so it was the last day of Woodstock, so just a... a, um, uh, here, here is the, the list of bands that I would also get to see by going back in time. Uh, number one, a heavy storm and rain rages over Woodstock. <laughs> so you get soaked a little bit first. I think that makes the party good. You know, you've got that last day of the event kind of spirit going mm-hmm. on. Country Joe and the Fish, of course, everybody knows them. <laughs> I don't know Country Joe and the Fish. Ten years after, the band, Johnny Winter. Oh, I love the, oh, the band. band. The band. Uh, Johnny Winter, it's a weird looking dude. Um, blood, Sweat, and Tears. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young. Yep. Mm-hmm. Young was there. Paul Butterfield, Blues Band. Shanana. Oh, Shanana. Get a job. Uh, and, and, of course, um, the ultimate uh, Woodstock appearance. Uh, Jimi Hendrix's uh, uh, basically closing the door on um, the whole decade of the 60s on stage. <laughs> All right. I, I think I'm going to have to give this one to Chris. I can see Chris surviving the 60s better than I can see Jaffer surviving the American Revolution. Uh, I go to France. He'll <laughs> <laughs> bring freedom to his people if he's given the chance. All right, but I'm giving that point to Chris. Uh, next up is Chris and Ben. You're gonna go back in time. The first criteria. Hmm. This isn't how I thought this would go. What was actually happening at your destination that the world doesn't know about and the second criteria is marty it's the doc we got to go back to your destination to stop biff from stealing what to make a fortune in the future or his past whatever works i i want to be in the room where it happened the room where it happened This is some really great Foley work he's doing right here. Oh, isn't this lovely? I'm here in the Sea of Tranquility. Wait, there are no birds in the su- on the fucking moon. <laughs> I- I Wait sw- till I get to my answers, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> there are no moon gulls. <laughs> All right, first criteria. This- right, you have to go to Cardassia to find the gulls. Damn it, Ben. (laughs) I'm guessing that was... That that was a Star Trek joke. It's fine. Um, (laughs) On a scale of of, of one to super deep, how deep was that? 
three. It's not super deep, but okay, like, maybe a four. Gotcha. It depends on how much Deep Space Nine you've yeah, watched. Yeah, if you watch Deep Space Nine, it's a one. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Gull is their version of Captain. Oh, all right. It's in almost every episode of that series. Gull to Cot. To Cot. Hmm. This isn't how I thought this would go. What was actually happening at your destination that the world doesn't know about? Chris. Um, actually, they were just rehearsing for the prominent musical number that would be uh, happening many, th- many hundreds of years later. All right, Ben. Um, so, show up at the Sea of Tranquility. What is this giant building? And who's inside of it? It's Stanley Kubrick. The only place you can stage the moon landing is the moon. <laughs> Turns out, when they came back, everything was all overexposed. And so, they're just trying to get it so it looks nice. Because if you're going to the moon, you want pictures to prove you went to the moon. It was the 1969 version of a selfie. <laughs> remind, me to sh- remind me to check those moon photos for seagulls. Uh, ben gets the point for faking the moon landing on the moon. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Yep. I had... I just... just, Kubrick just like... Every frame of photograph. Like floating in zero G. Like it is an image in my head. I had a continuation of my point that I I thought was going to be funny. I have no problems with the outcome. (laughs) Lots of button material this episode. All right. Marty, it's the doc. We gotta go back to your destination to stop Biff from stealing what? The Lunar Lander. I mean, come on. If you're gonna steal something that, one, nobody can ever get back, and so uh, nobody's gonna be showing up like, hey, that's mine. They left it there. But at the same time, you can get a mint for. Okay. Are you familiar with Back to the Future 2? Uh... Not as familiar as I am with one and three. Okay. But I will also say, knowing Biff and his complete lack of morals, what do you think he would do in 1965 with a lunar lander? That's right. He's selling it to the Ruskies. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's turn around. Chris? I think that rather than stealing something from the past, I think that Biff has made some strategic investments in real estate and he's going back in time to try and prevent the movement of the U.S. Capitol from New York to uh, Virginia. In order to make a bunch of money? In order to make a bunch of money, yes. In real estate in New York? Mm-hmm. He's also sold short every single taxi cab company in New York. It's a really like com- convoluted plan there. Okay. Well, neither of you win because I heard nothing about poop trucks. Barring that, uh, Chris gets the point. Because even if the U.S. Capitol doesn't move, Biff having a bunch of real estate in New York is going to make him a shit ton of money. As far as evil genius plans go, it's it's pretty, pretty foolproof. Pretty safe, yeah. Yeah, pretty safe bet. Just get into real estate, you know, even if... I mean, that's back when most of New York was farmland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can get a lot of it for cheap. Mm-hmm. All right. We go to a tiebreaker. Hamilton, never heard of it. Pitch the next big Broadway hit based on your draft. All right. So there's this um, bastard orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman. Um, he's off on some 
uh, you know, godforsaken island in okay. the uh, in the Caribbean. I'm following. Definitely never heard any of this before. Uh, a bunch of people get sick. There's a terrible hurricane. He writes some really beautiful poetry. Okay. And then he hops on board. Um, I, I, I must be some kind of like uh, some kind of steamship. Uh, he travels across the uh, Gulf of Mexico uh, directly to New York. He hops off, is immediately five years older, um, and uh, and he just starts singing to everybody he meets. The first person he meets uh, is a uh, precocious, uh, precocious young. Uh, everybody clearly gets that he's going to be a villain later in life. Um, like he's got the crazy gleam in his in his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, he um, kind of looks like Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I would say that Alexander. Uh, yeah, okay. Burr is is definitely the Aubrey Plaza of the uh, of the um, of the mid to late seventeen hundreds. Okay. Um, um, some ladies do a, a song and dance number in the streets. All original. Continue. There's a midwinter's ball. Um, here comes the general. Um, uh, that's of course uh, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, I believe. Yeah. Okay, that sounds right. Here comes the general, ladies and gentlemen, Dwight Eisenhower. Um, and then we're in the trenches uh, in in World War Three, I think. Okay. Um, and we're fighting space Nazis. Um, yeah, fucking um, space Nazis come and, back again. And, uh, uh, and and good old Hamilton and his uh, his boy Lafayette, who is a, a robot. Um, he's actually like a almost like a rideable mech, right? Like they can form into one super robot human, like kind of like a robot and human in the drift together. Okay. Um, and they're fighting. Uh, they're fighting like the third reincarnation of Hitler, um, and this yeah. time it's Mecha Hitler, and he's kind of like. I thought Mecha Hitler was the second reincarnation. Well, of this Hitler. is Kaiju Mecha Hitler. Yeah, oh, it's okay. kind of yeah, it's kind of like Godzilla. Um, but anyway, uh, battle goes great. Um, Hamilton totally decapitates Mecha, uh, Mecha Kaiju Hitler, um, and then. Uh, yeah, everything. I think after that, it's pretty much a happy ending. Everything goes great. Um, okay. Uh, he has uh, a ton of, of kids. Um, Burr uh, like stubs his toe one day and gets a really shit, bad infection because they had no antibiotics and he just dies. Um, yeah. Everyone knows that on the moon in the space war there are no antibiotics. Yes, um, and that is at least none that will help. So you. that's 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 Hamilton. Okay. Mm-hmm. Completely original. Sounds like you slipped Lin Manuel Miranda some bad shrooms. <laughs> He was that also, you probably got from the third day of Woodstock when all the good shrooms were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my this this was uh, two these were two trips that were connected. We went directly from one to the other. All right. Yeah. Okay, so this is um, I'm pitching an original musical. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking we do something like the last five years, where uh, it is uh, Neil and Buzz on the moon, and they're both recounting their stories. And Neil is starting from where he's jumping down off of the uh, off of the the ladder. One small step for a man. And Ooh, one small one small step for a man would be a baller musical opening. Oh yeah, right. yes. Yeah. And but Buzz is thinking of it the other way. He's talking about the Im- immense feelings of leaving the moon. Okay. Like, you know, this is what it's like leaving. The place you've been one of the only two people. Mm-hmm. And then Neil's telling his story forward. Uh, Buzz is telling his story backwards. They meet at a, in the middle for a huge show-stopping song. And we, as the uh, audience, are taking on the uh, the point of view of Michael Collins. Okay. The, the most lonely man in the universe. Uh, <laughs> I love there's a picture he took. That is the moon and earth, and he is the only person, living or dead, 
not in that picture. (laughs) 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 And uh, so it's just two men singing their thoughts on the moon uh, in, in the sea of tranquility. One small step for a man. I'm going to be honest, Ben. I was really hoping you were going to work um, New Kids on the Block the Right stuff in there somehow. I know that's I know that's the Mercury rocket, but I was really, <laughs> really hoping Hold for on that. A second. New Kids on the Block did something about the Mercury rocket program? No, 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 that was it. Okay. Who are New Kids on the Block? Oh, God damn it. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I dropped bit here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, who were they? The New Kids on the Block, the yeah. boy band from the 90s. Oh, did th- okay. that song the right stuff didn't don't know it you got the right stuff and then there's the book slash movie from the 70s and 80s the know, right I stuff know, about I, the mercury yeah, program I know about that <laughs> sorry is there anybody i'd know who's in it in the movie no in in the band um, in the band yeah um joey mcintyre had a career when you were okay that's fine I know the new kids on the block, but I can... the fact that you don't know the new kids on the block is actually a I only know them for me. from the reference. The new kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. Oh, some LFO summer girls. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's right. I'll own knowing that. Ben gets a point. All right. The next match is Ben versus Jaffer. Yep. Chris, could you draw some criteria for us? All right. Our first criteria. What misadventure would the doctor find himself on at your destination? And our second criteria, throw the best party ever. Who shows up? What's your main attraction? Well, I'm keeping it. Uh, I'm just going to uh, roll the clock back a few months for mine. I'm going January 30th, 1969. I'm going to the Beatles' last concert. On the top of Apple Records? Yep. Don't let me down, Ben. I'm going to go with... July 13th, 1985. Independence Day. Live Aid. All right. Ben, what misadventure would the doctor find himself on at your destination? Well, we'd beam down, and the doctor would, you know, have his mobile emitter, and uh, we, you know, he knows everything about medicine and science, but he doesn't know the 1960s. Hold on a second. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're talking about the Doctor from Star Trek Voyager. As you were. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, continue. Continue. Well, we know the Doctor loves to sing, but he's kind of an abrasive personality. I think that puts him right at home in 1960s England. Uh, <laughs> uh I think I think he gets into some shenanigans. We get uh, younger versions of many of the uh, the uh, British invasion uh, musicians we know we'd come to love, and you know, and we get to cap it all off with the last performance of the Beatles, which he will love and encapsulate. And then as we're going on our way back from the Delta Quadrant, uh, you know we'll walk into sick bay and. Uh, hear him hum in Abbey Road. I'm, like, not even convinced that wasn't an episode of Star Trek. (laughs) If they could get the rights to the Beatles music, I'm sure it would be. (laughs) All right. All right, Jaffer. What what misadventures would capital T, the capital D doctor, find himself on at your destination? 
Although, if, if you intend to go with a different doctor, certainly I can't prevent you from doing so. No, I'm just making sure I get my facts straight here. What other doctor? I'm sorry, we need to insert some kind of caption for when one of us rolls our eyes at Ben. <laughs> it is already we well established. A, we need a drop for that. It is established on the podcast that I only watch Torchwood. <laughs> All right. So the doctor shows up in 1985, July 13th. He's at the London show, of course. Um, I'm thinking David Tennant for this one. Um, okay. That, that's what I've got in my mind. And so at Live Aid in 1985, there was almost a Beatles reunion. Um, Paul, I believe, closed out the London show. Um, if not, he was one of the last acts to go on. Um, Ringo was there hanging out. And um, George Harrison... I think any major event in British history in that decade, <laughs> Ringo's Ringo, just he there. Was just, he was hanging um, out, you know? Um, he may have had his own set. I don't recall offhand. I'd have to look into it. I don't believe so. Um, and George flew to London at like the weekend before he was spotted at an airport. So there was big rumors about a Beatles reunion. And so what the doctor is here to do is to make sure it doesn't happen. <laughs> right? Right? No, no, no. He wants it to. Like, obviously everyone wants it to, but if the Beatles reunite, something terrible will happen because of it. Um, it's some, worth it. Some kind of intergalactic thing, like some alien is going to like use the awesomeness and all the joy that all the people feel in the world to destroy the Earth. Something very contrived in Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> and so he has to prevent the Beatles from reuniting in Live Aid, and he does it by like locking George in like a closet for a little while. He gets Ringo off like looking for some drumsticks, like all kinds of ridiculous stuff so that they don't meet up to have the conversation where they decide to play. I'm, and that's why they didn't reunite there. Why am I so seeing... it's all the doctor's fault. Now, the, the, the <laughs> kicker on all this, David Tennant runs into Bowie, who is also there, and goes, you're not supposed to be on this planet yet. And then just keeps going. <laughs> that answer physically hurt me. Uh, I think I'm going to have to hand it to the episode where the Beatles don't play because you could definitely afford that music. <laughs> <laughs> it's mu wing wings is much cheaper. <laughs> uh. I mean, Ben, uh, you should write that up, put that on the internet. Uh, Everybody loves a good Voyager spec script. <laughs> uh, the, Maybe you can get the rock back for it. That's called uh, fan fiction. <laughs> Throw the best party ever. Who shows up? What's your main attraction? Jafer. The main attraction is Queen set at Live Aid. Um, widely considered the greatest single rock performance of all time. Um, it's great. I listened to it as part of my research for it. I listened to most of Live Aid. And the entire, just the entire day of music is fantastic. My favorite moment of Live Aid is uh, <clears throat> I Don't Like Mondays. Okay. Bob Geldof pausing on the lesson today is how to die and then just like living in that moment for a second. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, who's at that party? Um, obviously, you've got Queen, you've got U2, you've got Bowie, you've got The Who, 
You've got Paul McCartney. You've got Doctor Who. <laughs> you, you got you got David Tennant <laughs> running around. Um, if we count Philly, then you get all the American performers that were there: uh, Madonna, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. Okay. Pretty pretty sweet time. Sure. What is it called when uh, a band reaches insane levels of popularity and like cause catastrophes everywhere they go? Are you right. talking about one of those Ragnarok? teenage lady riots? We're, we're, we're talking about Beatlemania? <laughs> if I'm able to go back to this moment and tell people this is the last time the Beatles will ever play t- ever play together live. We are shutting down that street. People knew. That wasn't like it wasn't like it was a secret. People knew they were playing. No, no, people knew that like the Beatles were breaking up. They've like, been breaking up for years. I think it was rumored in the press, but I don't think it was publicized as the Beatles' last concert. It wasn't publicized as the Beatles' Beatles' last concert, yes. but I think it was understood. Regardless, let's uh, in the time. Let, let Ben finish his point. Sorry. Yeah. If I'm able to say, "Hey, next week, the last time the Beatles are playing live, Apple Records, okay, come together. Let's get the let's let's send them out." the way we celebrated them at Wrigley Stadium. So, outside of Apple Records, get everyone there, not not charging a cover or anything, just people who love the Beatles, people who the Beatles have changed their life. You know, tell other bands that feel influenced, hey, come and witness this moment. This one thing everyone for the next, you know, 10 years is going to desperately wish wasn't the last one. <clears throat> okay, well, this is interesting. Um, so, Jafer, you threw Live Aid, mm-hmm. and Ben, you catastrophically destroyed the city of London. Um, and created a uh, pile of rubble that persists even till today. Um, yeah, I sh- think it's going to be a much more respectful venue. You think Beatles <laughs> fans would go like crazy? I believe I believe your initial premise was teenage lady riots, sir. Yeah, but this has been ten years. They're 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 late twenties. Uh, lady rioters. Oh, okay, so people who now have some disposable income to throw into like the last concert that they're ever going to really feel anything at. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm giving it to the riot that destroyed London. All right. <laughs> San Dimas high school football rules. Give us your quick Bill and Ted book report on your location. Give us your quick Bill and Ted book report on your location. Also be excellent to each other. You know what's excellent? The Beatles. You know what's also excellent? Late 1960s London. The fashion, the just the lifestyle, everything's go-go, but it's not like 80s go-go, so it seems laid back by comparison. We're just on the on the doorstep of the 70s. 
everything is coming together. It is the definite end of an age. Just like we're uh, at the end of the 50s, you felt the, end, the, the shift from doo-wop into the British invasion. This is the dying light of the 60s. And just in a few short years, we're going to be in the middle of disco fever. This is the end of an era. Yeah, Disco Fever, a an epidemic from which the city of London would never recover, especially because it had been destroyed in a riot previously by by, by uh, Benjamin Curley. Jaffer. So Bill and Ted's book report, they go back to Live Aid. You know, a lot of their musical heroes are playing. This is only four years before their excellent adventure. So they would have been freshmen, basically, or, or just... Uh, just, in middle school, yeah, possibly, middle school. Okay. Um, depending on the exact time. It was would have been the summer in between, perhaps. I don't, I'm not going to figure that out. Anyways. Yeah. Um, Tune into our other podcast, Doing the Math with Jaffer, where we, <laughs> we dig down deep on all of those questions you were never asking about Bill and Ted's just, excellent adventure. <laughs> just watch film theory, it'll be much better anyways. <laughs> um, so, all of their musical heroes are here playing, um... But more than that, they learn an important lesson about caring for others and Africa because Live Aid was a charity show for the Ethiopian famine. So besides, they go back initially just to be like, oh yeah, Live Aid, man. And then, you know, they see all these bands, but they end up learning a great deal about the Ethiopian famine and uh, conditions in parts of the world that they're not familiar with, and they come back with a better understanding of the world and themselves and are excellent to each other and others for it. Whoa, dude. I think I have to hand it to the answer that was most excellent to others. Jaffer, well, well played. Hopefully they learn something about learning about import laws before you send a bunch of food to a place. That's the sad, the sad legacy of Live Aid. Yeah, oh, it's true though. Yeah. Oh, and uh, tune in uh, next week where I'll discuss uh, the details of my upcoming book tour about um, the man who destroyed London, the Ben Curley story. I mean, to be fair, if I destroyed London in 1969, that would be an event to send Bill and Ted back to <laughs> <laughs> the Ben Krieg. <laughs> oh no no that's no no no, no not okay <laughs> how is that not okay just the ghost of of uh, i don't i don't want anyone thinking ben's a white nationalist he already shaves his head enough i haven't done that in years because of that <laughs> they ruined my ideal haircut okay we'll call it the beatles creek because nobody can think that the beatles are racist right i don't think so probably not no they spent Actually, a lot of time in hard, India. Hard to tell, though, right? <laughs> I mean, Rocky, no. doesn't Rocky Raccoon kind of feel a little racist? No, because they... Well, they Rocky insist- Raccoon is a Kingston Trio song. Yeah. And they also insisted that their uh, shows be desegregated. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yes. Yeah. That is pretty excellent. Good show. Okay. So that is the end of the first round, and we are all tied at three. All right. So we are all tied. Uh, we will be back with you guys for round two and the final. I guess just be excellent to each other, guys. Be excellent to each other. Be excellent excellent. to each other. 
Uh, thanks, as always, to the Kickstand Band uh, for our theme song, How It Feels. You can find the music at bandcamp.com. Any ideas for future topics, criteria, or draft picks, shoot us an email at draftuniverse@gmail.com. And join the discussion on Twitter. Follow us at DraftTheVerse. Use the hashtag DraftTheUniverse and at Facebook.com slash DraftTheUniverse. See you next week. Wild Stallions rule! know besides ben franklin <laughs> franklin ben franklin you've been ben franklin <laughs> you've been ben franklin oh man if there was if there was somebody who was the councilman jam of the, the declaration <laughs> it was benjamin franklin <laughs> um thomas jefferson's just been writing for hours yeah ben franklin shows up add this to it i don't want to you just got franklin <laughs> <laughs>